Sup, buddy. It's uh, it's been it's been a while. I am trying to actually think when is the last time we saw each other in person. I my mind is ten telling years me... ago. <laughs> it's been seventy two years. <laughs> uh, my mind is telling me it was it like surely was it the the anime awards from a year and change ago? Uh, was the, it where the, where the beautiful I... pizza picture was taken? Was that the last time? I think when was so. The time, when was the time I saw your place? Was that before then? Oh God! It I mm. it Jesus. Was either, when did I move? Was that was, it was, either, was that when I was in the little loft apartment? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that would have been a hot second ago. Definitely over a year ago. Okay, so that was the last time was Anime Awards then. I guess so. It was either that or oh, yeah, when man. you came in to maybe do something at Rooster Teeth. That is just like. That is so wild. Anime, anime Awards, that was not last year. <laughs> not last year, and, for sure. And, and not the year before that, because you weren't there 2019. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But 2018. Wow. Oh, my God. Jesus. We're Did practically strangers now. We're different people entirely. Yeah, who are you again? <laughs> and, no, it's it's really good to hear your voice. Uh, you know, this, like, uh, this, this podcast has been a good way to just be like, Hey, let's 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 just catch up and mm-hmm. um I you know I mean shit why don't we just get started with like <laughs> what, like how have things been how have things been <laughs> It's been it's been interesting. I've um I've been having to sort of try and figure out and like navigate my day-to-day emotions because mm. uh, uh two big things happened in uh the year of our lord 2020. Obviously, uh, a global pandemic hit, and that changed the lives mm-hmm. of everyone on the face of the planet. Um, but then also in March of that year, uh, I made the decision to leave my full-time position at Rooster Teeth after being at the mm-hmm. company for about like 10 years. And so sure. like there was this weird sort of from day to day, I'd be like, do I have anxiety because of the lockdown or do I have anxiety <laughs> because I fundamentally changed the structure of my life for the right, first time right. in a decade? It's been, it's been wild though. It's um, yeah. I, I essentially um, wanted to, after being at the same place for 10 years, um, I, you know, obviously still um, treasure and love a ton of people working at Rooster Teeth and, obviously want all their projects to continue to succeed and i'm i'm still working on ruby stuff uh on a contract basis and and yada 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 yada. but i just kind of hit this point in my life where i was like okay i'm turning 30 this year and i just kind of want to do and try more things i've been really really fortunate uh in the fact that i've i've had the pleasure to work on so many cool animated series that that a lot of people have enjoyed um, mm. but I've, I've always kind of been interested in, um, games writing. Like I think this, mm. this relatively new medium that we call video games is just like, we're in the wild west of interactive storytelling right now. Like it, it kind of feels yeah. like back in early filmmaking when, when folks were just figuring out like, Hey, you can cut from one location to another. And the audience is smart enough to realize like nothing crazy has happened. And like, we can do these things with mirrors and we can make something like that's, it feels like that's where we're at with games right now. Um, yeah. the, we, we've built these beautiful little empathy machines. Um, and I, there's just something about that that I think is super cool. And so the, the big thing I wanted to do th- this past year, I've just kind of taken some time to unclench a bit mm, and sure. um, and just kind of go back into a, a, a time of like lots of self-care, 
mm-hmm. and um, some personal growth and, and education. So I've, I've been taking some classes on games writing, uh, taught by a professor mm-hmm. at the University of Texas here in Austin, and uh, I've been reading a lot of books and then also just playing a lot of video games and been able to tell myself, this is research. <laughs> I mean, it, it is. You know, it is. You know. It is. I, I, and I know you didn't mean that entirely as a joke, because but because it, it, it sounds silly, right? Like playing yeah. games for research, but like if you are somebody who you know writes or even acts or whatever, like you know watching stuff, playing stuff, just seeing what. Yeah, let me turn off my fucking phone. Uh, <laughs> watch, watch, watching and playing stuff is legitimately very helpful. It's been nice too. It it led to some um, cool discoveries. Like uh, traditionally speaking, I'm not the biggest open world fan i i just find mm-hmm. them i don't know if it's my adhd or what but i i get very overwhelmed and 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 it, it starts to feel like a checklist and so i i just kind of in general obviously there's some greats out there like breath of the wild but like for the most part i i've never fallen for that uh genre quite as hard as others um mm. but that's obviously where a lot of game writers are really needed when you're creating these rich and sprawling worlds that need to have not just a bunch of characters, but a lot of history and lore. And yeah. so I made it a point to start playing more open world games and kind of noting what I did and didn't like about them. And um, in doing so, I, I a couple months late, I, I stumbled on Ghost of Tsushima and holy shit, that game is so good. It, I really dug it, really dug yeah, it. Yeah, I've heard good things. I... Uh... I'm approximately like five years behind video games, <laughs> so I'm looking forward to playing it in like 2026. Mm. But uh, no, no, I, I'm I'm curious then, like, what have besides Ghost of Tsushima, what have been some other like titles that really stuck out to you? I started replaying the Fable franchise. I I had mm, okay. um I had an OG Xbox as a kid and. Uh, the first Fable game was uh, an open world game I really adored. Um, there's something I think kind of like whimsical about that franchise. Like it feels mm. like there's something interesting that like you're you're pretty much a mute protagonist and you communicate through pantomime. So a lot of the stuff is very like Monty Python, absurd humor. There's chickens. There's a fart button. Like it's very kind of silly. Um, mm. But what I think is kind of fun about that franchise is like. And especially in the second one, you know, that's, I feel like, prime Peter Molyneux being like, you can do literally anything in the world. It's going to be the biggest game ever. This is your second life. And it's like, okay, that's a bit hyperbolic. But the fact that, like, you can essentially become a real estate tycoon in the second game was like a small side game that I found very interesting and fun. I was like, oh, I can essentially start buying up, like, plots of land here in this city and like making bank when the market opens and this is wild aren't i supposed to be saving the world um so that was a charming series to return to i've got a recommendation for you if you have not played it yet oh hit me bud uh yakuza zero have you played it okay so no i the yakuza franchise has been this like like ships passing in the night i always see anytime a new yakuza game comes out i look at it and i'm like Maybe this is the time I'm going to jump over to that ship. Yeah, uh, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I know the the latest one is now more of like a, a turn-based RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, is th- that's not Zero, is it? That's... Uh... No, no, that's uh, Like a Dragon. Like a Dragon. Uh, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, so yeah. what is it about Zero? Because uh, I know there's been a lot of games. Why is that the one you go to? Let me give you the pitch. You okay, just, What you just described to me with Fable, 
uh, or Fable 2, where you could be like a real estate tycoon. It instantly reminded me of something in Yakuza 0. But if you want to play... Because I feel the same way you do about open world games, in that I tend to get... Uh, I find them a little tedious most of the time, unless they're really, really good. Mm. Uh, Yakuza 0, I mean, what do you know about it, first off, before I give you my, my um, and pitch here? Okay, from from what I've gleaned through just internet osmosis, I, I feel mm-hmm. like I I believe the Yakuza games follow the story of members of the uh, of Yakuza. Mm-hmm. Yakuza, Yakuza, I don't know. Um, and... Uh, from what I understand, they have a pretty, like, melodramatic, like, intense story. But then outside of that, it's, like, very goofy. And, like, you can do mm. karaoke and go dancing. And, like, there's a million, like, I, I, I feel like that this is, from what I understand, a game filled with, like, very colorful characters and big performances. Mm. Um, that's, that's about that, it. That is accurate. Let me give you the full pitch. Okay. So, and first off, you start with Yakuza 0. People you know, people always ask, what do I start with? What do I start with? There's like seven games or eight games. Start with Yakuza 0, which is a prequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically, they remade the first two games. Uh, they're called Kiwami and Kiwami 2. And they're, they're full, like, next... Or not next gen at this point, but current gen. Oh, God, they're not even current gen. PS5, <laughs> okay, whatever. They're, they're, the first two were on PS2, Got and it. they made them for PS4. So Got they're it. really nice. And and Zero is a prequel to those games and is the same engine, and Zero is the perfect place to start. Uh, I tell everybody start with Zero. I and then everyone who has played Zero and then played the first one be like, yes, it's best <laughs> to start with Zero. Uh, but how those the structure of those games is essentially uh, the you're right. The sto- main story is first off extremely well written. But it's an extremely well written, very gritty, serious Yakuza story, mm. um, and the side quests and sort of mini games you can play. Uh, those are famous for being very goofy, but it's really just there's a ton of shit you can do, and I think what makes this open world game really fun is that unlike a lot of games where it's just this humongous area, but it's kind of empty. You know, mm-hmm. if you actually look at it, it's like mm-hmm. really you could ride, r- drive your car to you know for like f- two minutes through nothing to get to this. Um, Kamurocho, which is one of the main cities that the Yakuza games usually take place in, is not actually that big. In fact, you can run across the whole city because it's just one city uh, in like a couple mm-hmm. minutes or like even less than like you know it. You can run from top to bottom of the screen. And not that long gotcha. at a time. But what, what they do then is within this sort of square, they fill it with mm. characters and things to do. So it feels like this very bustling, robust, you know, city. And then you do unlock, like, you can unlock other cities and, you know, new areas within the city. Uh, but even then, you're always going around the same spots. So it, it mm. becomes like this almost like you become familiar with the neighborhood. Yes, uh, yes. like... Oh yeah, that's that's where the general store is, and that's where the casino is, and that's where the bowling alley is, and you know, mm. uh, it's all centralized within you know a very and then uh, the side quests and stuff. It's a very like sweet game. I think what a lot of oh. people don't understand or don't get out of it is the main guy you play as Kiryu 
is like one of the nicest, purest people on the planet. <laughs> and, and he's not actually, they're called Yakuza, but uh-huh. they're not, act, he's not actually technically Yakuza in a lot of them. It's usually, usually each game, they're like, here you, you're out of the Yakuza. And he's like, okay, that's fine. And then <laughs> it's him just still getting tangled up in Yakuza messes. Hmm. But like, I think a lot of people, like a friend of mine, for example, had the impression, oh, I don't know, it's like Grand Theft Auto where you're just like a bad guy and you just, and it's like, no, 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 oh, no, no, no. Mm. You are the purest good man of all. <laughs> like, Kiryu is the most noble hero helping everybody in need, regardless of how stupid their problem is. Like, Aww. oh, your cat's like lost, Kiryu will help you find it. Oh, you're getting like targeted by mobster assassins, Kiryu will help you, you know, fight them. <laughs> he won't kill them because he's a good guy. Uh, but he'll real Tanjiro them. energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, it's it's this perfect blend of like you know some of the best writing I've seen. Like legit. Mm. Like uh, Anne Marie uh, watched me play Yakuza Zero mm. and was engrossed in the story. Like after you know just accidentally, just by yeah. watching cutscenes. Yeah, yeah. It's it's that well written. Oh, and that's then awesome. outside of that, there's a full-fledged real estate game there's a uh, there's a there's a hostess club you run a hostess club and oh you like you befriend the girls and like you know teach them life lessons and like uh there's <laughs> actual sega games in the arcades there's uh like you know all sorts of you know sports and gambling and uh mm. there's pocket car racing it's it's just <laughs> chock full of so much fun stuff to do and if you're a completionist like me, the game is constantly rewarding you for everything. There mm. and and the and the const the reward points you get for doing things, you can then unlock like you know upgrades and features in the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get you get reward you get completion points for running. Like how far have you run? You get completion points for trying every food in the city, every drink <laughs> in the city. Like you know all this stuff. It's just ingenious so that is i awesome. implore you uh pick up yakuza zero i think you know it's always getting on sale for like five bucks ten bucks and it's oh hell yeah oh i also i got i got game pass and now i think it's just part of game pass like oh, game fuck. pass is okay. insanely good deal like i've i've been like the console war whatever sure like i was i was xbox for a long time then i switched mm. over uh with the ps4 generation um and i have to say I'm super excited about the the quote unquote next gen courage and whatever you call it. Whatever we're in right now is fascinating yeah. to me because Sony and Microsoft seem to be going with like two different strategies. Sony doubling down on their like awesome auteur, like artsy fartsy single player mm-hmm. stories that I'm, yeah. I love that shit. I'm here for that shit. Yeah. And then Microsoft is like, okay, we're going to do like good game fly. Now we're going to make Netflix for video games and we're going to give a whole bunch of devs. Like I feel like they're, they are creating the double A game. Like right now, I feel like games and movies are in the similar space where you're either an indie darling or a triple A blockbuster Avengers Infinity War thing. Mm. And you just don't really see a lot of middle of the road stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah. But like Microsoft is just like bringing in all these people. And it's it's not just like a quantity versus quality thing. I feel like they're kind of trying to go for both. Mm. Um, and so far it's been like, I got in because it was like, hey, three months for a dollar 
and we have Halo on PC now. And I was like, ha you got me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I've stuck with it. I've, I've been playing, I'm playing the medium right now, which is a game I probably wouldn't have picked up without the Game Pass. And, yeah, it's interesting. It's, medium is, um, it is a, or well, you play as a medium. Uh, it's set in, uh, oh God, I'm blanking. It doesn't matter where it's set. Um, you're a woman who can see into the spirit realm and uh, a you get a mysterious phone call that lures you out to uh, an abandoned like resort in the middle of the wilderness, um, and it's established like something all your life. You've dealt with the fact that you can see ghosts, and you have learned to help them move on. Uh, sometimes spirits hang around and they're confused or unwilling to move on, and, and you you help them out. You you get them to go. Mm, okay. Um, you're brought to a place where clearly something there's something special, something sinister about this place. It, it's um it is a a horror thriller kind of detective genre. Mm. Um, I would describe it oddly enough as uh, persona meets resident evil. And let me explain what that means. Yeah, sure. Um, okay. So uh, resident evil is probably the, the best gameplay comparison. Um, and by that, I mean like original resident evil where you have fi- fixed camera, moderately fixed camera kind of mm. take control character uh, and I'm thinking, think about the puzzles in Resident Evil, like where you're getting three dog heads or this or that. Very kind of like obtuse and spatial awareness based puzzles um, mm-hmm. to help you progress through the environment or open a door or whatever. Yeah. Um, so almost like a low um, pressure Resident Evil. There's not combat in this game in the traditional sense. Um, mm. There will be moments where it's like, oh, there's there's a dangerous thing in this room or I can't fall down there. Um, but these moments are very obvious. Like something I was talking about with some of my classmates today was that uh, I'm not as scared as I was when I first started playing this game because it is now very obvious to me when I am in a moment of danger and when I'm totally mm-hmm. fine. Okay. Um, but um, where the Persona stuff comes in is, and what, what I think the game currently, I'm not done with it yet, but what, what I think is most interesting about this game is it is a game about trauma. It, it's a story about mm. um how trauma leads to more trauma and you will encounter strong spirits throughout the course of the game. And and the way in which you quote unquote defeat or overcome them is by exploring who they are on the inside and teleporting into this like world of shame that they have built around Mm -hmm. and finding like, why are you this malevolent, violent thing? What is it that happened to you in your past that made this? And I feel like a, a point the game is trying to make is we should all strive to understand people that do harm that does not mean that we have to forgive them Mm -hmm. but it is worth understanding to know Mm -hmm. where it comes from and how it could lead to more and i i I, it's it's a it's a bit of a mixed bag for me overall i'm enjoying it again i got it with game pass so it's not like i I dropped 50 bucks on it um but uh it, it it's a game where something that we talk about a lot um and that's something i've always been fascinated with is um when do you make something a game uh I think you should, the medium in which you tell a story, whether it be a novel, a, a film, a television series, or a game, I think there should be a purpose behind the medium that you choose. Sure. And there are times where it feels as though the gameplay is getting in the way of a very compelling story, where sometimes uh, Marianne, the protagonist, is a little clunky to move around, or I already know the solution to a, pu- a puzzle, and I'm just having to like go to point A to point B to enact this thing that I, I already mm. know is going to work. Mm. However... There are other times when you are um, encountering these uh, personifications of trauma where I, I would admit that 
this feeling of empathy is made stronger by the fact that I am the one, I am the one controlling Marianne and I am the one making this uh, discovery as opposed to watching a show where I'm just being told what happened. Right. Um, and so it's interesting. It's, it's, I feel like nowadays everything has to be either good or bad. And, and so far in my experience, the medium is, you know, everything's more complex than that. And there are things about this game that I absolutely adore. I think the, the story is really intriguing. The, the visual design behind this game is phenomenal. Like you've got some uh, Guillermo del Toro level creature design in this thing, which mm. I really think is cool. And every environment is dripping with personality in the same way that like Persona dungeons clearly, clearly have a theme or an aesthetic going. There's yeah. a lot of that in this game. Um, and on a technical level, they're doing some cool stuff too. You can tell they're trying to like show off the new Xbox chops because um, there'll be sections in the game where uh, Marianne's consciousness will be split and there's literally a split screen that appears on, on your monitor where uh, okay. uh, you're controlling Marianne in the physical plane as well as the spiritual plane. They look mm -hmm. completely different and in some planes there might be an obstacle like a wall um, but in the spiritual plane there's nothing. And so That's then there's cool. this interesting okay. mechanic where uh, you have an out-of-body experience, which means for a limited amount of time, not forever, but for a limited amount of time, your physical body will stay put while your spirit can venture onward someplace where you can't go physically mm. um, and then can then like unlock a power or do something that then allows you to go back to the physical world and then bypass the obstacle. And it's like it, it's playing with a lot of really cool mechanics. It feels a bit like a first draft, but it's a first draft that I'm really enjoying. No, I mean, I that sounds really cool, actually. This is for Xbox only, you said? For the Xbox project. and PC, yeah. Mm, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I think you brought up an interesting point of um, when does something when should something be a game? And I guess my question to you, well, I think clearly the answer is yes, just from what you're describing it is like. Does it do something where only a game could convey what it wanted to convey? And Ooh, it, it, that's a see. That's a difficult question, right? Because there there are some games out there that I feel like um, can could only be a game. Uh, big ones that come to mind: Undertale, Doki Doki Literature Club, mm -hmm. um, uh, the Stanley Parable. Right? These are right. Stanley Parable is a game about a game, right? But uh, these things have a discussion with the player and a a discussion about interactivity and, and choice and predetermination and whatnot um mm. then there are things that i think are made stronger um through games like i think a um oh what's a recent example uh one it's not a great example uh but spoiler alert nah, not really there there's a it's a, this is not a spoiler in The Last of Us 2, there is a moment where you have to do something that is very uncomfortable, mm. and the game won't show it to you in a cutscene. It makes you press a button. Uh, God of War has done this too, and mm -hmm. I think sometimes that can be used to great effect. I also think sometimes that's a that's like a mechanic that is kind of played out and and is a bit like, okay, you're gonna make me do it. Okay, I got it. The, yeah. the discussion around The Last of Us 2 is very interesting. I enjoyed that game but i also think like every piece of art there's things that it succeeds at and things that it doesn't and sure all in all the discourse around that when you can blot out just the bigotry and hatefulness is is a really interesting one yeah. um but um gosh i think obviously stories that involve choice like a lot of rpgs and, and open world games and visual novels whatnot like obviously that those are kinds of things that 
can really only be told in, in games or, you know, choose your own adventure books, which I loved. I had the Goosebumps one as a kid and I always thought that was mm, fun. Mm. Um, but I, I think there is, there are things that can make you feel more powerful, that can make you feel more sympathetic. Something that's been interesting right now that I've kind of been studying is this concept called the story stack, which was uh, something brought up by a designer, um, Jason, oh my God, what's his last name? Van Vandenberg. It's a bizarre last name. I'm, I'm sure I'm mispronouncing it, but mm. um, he was talking about how when it comes to writing a story for your game, where do you start? And um, you know, what are things that are subject to change, and what are things that really need to be locked in? Um, and what he kind of what he has um, suggested is that there's kind of five parts to your narrative for your game. Mm. Uh, there is the story, the world, the economy, the action, and the fantasy. Mm. And from top to bottom in that order, starting with story, those are the parts of your story that should be the most flexible throughout the development of your game that can change on a whim. And the mm. fantasy is the thing that should be pretty rock solid and not changing. And what I mean by that is, uh, or I suppose what he means by that, when we say fantasy... Um, we're starting with what is the player experience? Mm. And to me, that's similar to saying like, what is the theme of the story you're telling? Like if you're writing a movie or a book or something, like what is this story about? What is going to be the DNA that you weave into every scene and every character? What are, what is this, what are we talking about here? Not necessarily sure. the, the premise of the plot, but like the soul of the body of work. Mm -hmm. And so um, for example, uh, let's take, uh, let's take Breath of the Wild. That's a game that I think most people have played. So so I would argue that the fantasy of Breath of the Wild is to uh, to embark on a uh, grand adventure across a sprawling and fantastical world to save a princess. Like that's mm. that's what we want to feel, right? Like ignoring who Link is and the the legacy of this franchise. Like when you play Breath of the Wild, you should feel like you're going on this cool Tolkien-esque fantasy i'm a knight gonna save the princess adventure mm -hmm. so everything else needs to be in support of this so above fantasy you have your action and these are like literally the verbs so what can you do in breath of the wild you can fight you got like you can slash you can jump you can climb you can walk you can swim you can glide you can fight with a million different objects you solve puzzles you uh adjacent to solving puzzles what i i would say would be problem solving in the sense that uh, breath of the wild is something that i loved which was you're not necessarily presented with like, here's a locked door, move the I idols and symbols to unlock it. It's like, hey, here's a gorge. How do you want to get across this? You yeah. can knock down a tree. You could go down and climb up like more um, like critical thinking stuff. Sure. Um, so all of these like, yeah, these sounds like something things a hero would do in their journey to save a princess. Cool. The midpoint is then economy, which is kind of a weird word. But in, in regards to kind of what you were talking about with Yakuza, this is ways in which the uh, player is being told that they are progressing, right? Like, because video games are interactive and can be taken at um, uh, different paces and, and whatnot, especially, especially in open world games, mm -hmm. you need to ensure the player that they're not just reading the same paragraph over and over again. Mm -hmm. um, and so, like, a really basic one that I, I think people don't think about often, though, is whenever you get a cutscene in a game, like, a cutscene's a reward. 
you're getting a narrative treat for doing the thing that you're supposed to do in the game. Right. Um, and so um, going with our Breath of the Wild example, like unlocking a memory for Link, um, obviously uh, uh, acquiring new weapons and items, the Sheikah Slate uh, skills, uh, unlocking portions of your map with towers, even things like meeting a new NPC or finding a village that has like helpful things there. Like all of these are ways of rewarding the player and giving them more stuff and saying like, you're doing great. Keep it up, hun. We love this. Sure. Um, after that then is the world. So obviously with Zelda, we're going to set it in Hyrule. Um, well, I, you know, Majora's Mask does some other stuff, but uh, <laughs> uh, uh, for this version of Hyrule, this iteration of Hyrule, if we're going with this fantasy of exploring a sprawling landscape um, and, and surviving and whatnot, they go with this post-apocalyptic Hyrule. It's ruins. It's primarily the wilderness. And you have great volcanoes and huge you know, mountains that scrape the sky itself and, and rivers in the Zora's domain. Um, so at that point, that's when you're getting into the lore. Okay, why is this world the way it is? We need to write in the Hundred Year War that happened and how Link was defeated. We need to come up with the the, the Guardian Beasts, the Divine Beasts, and these four clans. And mm. so now we're getting into the stuff that's like, we can get a little flexible. We could change what iteration of Hyrule this is, but this is what we're kind of going with right now. And then finally, then the story of like, okay, yeah, Calamity Ganon, four Divine Beasts, Link lost. Like, it, it's just like, I had never looked at a game like that before. I'd always thought of like, what's the player experience? But mm. I never really thought past that when it when it gets down to like, okay, like we're part of the narrative team working our nine to five. We have a request from design, like game mechanics. We're adding or losing a new mechanic. Okay, what? how much work do we have to redo or scrap or repurpose? And, and viewing it through these five lenses is I think a really, really helpful tool. And man, like, like I said at the top of this thing, I just geek out on this like player psychology and this new way of telling stories. And so I, I hope I didn't bore anybody to death with this oh, like no. mini TED talk, but like I eat this shit up. I no, think no, it's no. so cool. Yeah, Abno, listen, I, I, you know, I think what makes Breath of the Wild stand out and, you know, I look back on it and this is somebody who I'm not like actually the biggest Zelda fan, which same, I know same. but like I, you know, no, I, I like, feel that. Yeah, I, mean, I, uh, I really like, you know, I'm going to compare it to one Zelda game that I do enjoy, uh, and that, that one that actually stuck with me more um, is Wind Waker. I don't know mm. I don't know if you've played Wind Waker. Yes, but, yeah. Uh, Wind Waker has a, a similar feel to Breath of the Wild in that it, a lot of it is kind of like you're just going around doing whatever you want, mm-hmm. um, and then, it, it, you know, like, there's a lot of freedom, which mm-hmm. Breath of the Wild also offers, and, you know, well, Breath of the Wild is completely open world. But I think what's remarkable, and you touch on a lot of this with you know with your mini TED talk. But no, it was it, 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 <laughs> no, it, no. But it's it's I it really is rings true with. I look back on that game and how you can progress through that game in not completely any order, but almost any order you want. Like a lot of people com- like mm-hmm. com- do the different divine beasts in different orders. They discover things and you know, but. The way that game is woven together with, like you said, the atmosphere, the uh, what you discover, especially the uh, um, the memories. The memories are so mm. crucial to that game mm-hmm. to make you go, yeah, no, th- like even though I'm, you know, sometimes I'm just having fun, you know, snowboarding down a hill or you know, <laughs> uh, you know, cooking or whatever. Whenever you discover one of those, at least for me, and I think for most players, there's such emotional 
like you know uh what do you call it um you you connection to what yeah. you're watching and it, mm. it it brings you back in to like you know i think a lot of other open world games which i kind of touched on before with why i don't like them so much is uh, i'm just kind of running around doing things and then okay right. story thing happens okay and then mm-hmm. um uh you know I, I just keep on doing stuff until you unlock the next thing um whereas breath of the wild you're constantly even when you're not watching cutscenes, you are feeling the repercussions of the past you know mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. in watching what's around what's you know what happened to the world around mm-hmm. you and the, what you know what people are saying. Uh, yeah, it's a. I mean, there's a reason why it's so fucking good, and it's because of everything you were you were just talking about. It's you know beautifully done. I have this also like meta theory about this game. Something that this game can can kind of bet on, not completely, but it definitely gets a bonus. In I would argue the majority of players today, that it mm. gets solely from being a Legend of Zelda game, and that is that. The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild is a game about reclaiming your home that you lost. Like you mm. lost it and you wake up and it's kind of a it's it can be kind of a tired trope. But in, in this case, I think it works great. Link wakes up at the start of the game with amnesia. Oh, my gosh. What a what a crazy narrative device. <laughs> but what's so interesting about this is that, like I said earlier, there's been a lot of iterations of the Kingdom of Hyrule. Um, and given the Legend of Zelda's like crazy timeline and, and reincarnation and, and all that stuff, like mm-hmm. it's a it's an interesting uh, evolving world that we get to view over years and years and years. Right. And that's what I think makes this so interesting is that the majority of players, not all, but a good majority of players are familiar enough with the Legend of Zelda to understand its recurring themes, its items, its its characters, locations, weapons. And so you're given a version of Link who doesn't remember everything or doesn't remember what happened, but kind of knows where he is. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly where the player is at. Mm -hmm. We know who we are. We know we're supposed to defeat evil. um, And we're told that we failed and that Hyrule fell. Mm -hmm. And we kind of know some things in Hyrule, but like, as an example, like when I first realized one of the first locations you discover there is the Temple of Time. Mm. in in breath of the wild and at first i just viewed it as a cathedral and then i started walking around and then some time passes and it clicked with me i'm like oh my god this is the temple of time Mm. and i had this immediate moment of elation that i found someplace that i recognized and knew and that was followed by sorrow in discovering that it is left in ruin right and has been destroyed and if that isn't exactly what link is thinking in that moment like that is some great player avatar synergy right there yeah and like you are just like how link is motivated as a character to seek out these areas and reclaim his memories um i feel like that is absolutely step in step with players who want to see what happened to Hyrule, which in a way is also a home to them. It's a place that we explored as children on the N64 or even right. before that on the NES and, and Super NES. And to want to see what happened to this place that we used to live in at one point in our lives or another, I think is just as much of a motivator as any other game mechanic that is coded into that game. And I think that's just like, it's it's fucking cool. It's fucking cool, <laughs> yeah. And like the game, you know, you know, uh, the very early game spoiler, but you know, when you find out that old man is, you know, mm. the king, it's like, mm. wow, shit. 
a lot of shit happened, huh? A lot of, yeah. A lot of shit went down. And, but it does fill you with like, oh man, like, okay. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's, it's great, like uncovering and, you know, God, just looking back on it, I keep going back to the memory system, but, you know, mm-hmm. piecing together that sort of Pulp Fiction ass, like, you know, just discovering like, you know, oh wait, this happened because of this and oh wait, this, oh God, like, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. It, you know, that, that whole game is about, I, I'm very curious how Breath of the Wild 2 is going to be. Ooh, uh, ooh, ooh. Because right now, yeah. let's get let's get this let's get this out. What would you like to see in a sequel? Oh boy, it's yeah, it's tough because you know the whole joy of Breath of the Wild is discovery for me, right? Discovery, mm-hmm. and that means for me, ideally, Breath of the Wild two can't really be like like the same map, just mm-hmm. new things. So my guess or my hope or both is are we getting like uh you know, you know, they they love doing like World of Shadow like Land of yes. Shadow, Land of Light. Are we getting like That's a, what I'm hoping. I'm hoping we get brand new map, you know, completely different, you know, maybe dimension or something where we get that same feeling. Uh and and Please let us play as Zelda. Uh, just please, 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 Daddy please, Nintendo, let yeah, us please. play as Zelda. Yeah, please. Um, <laughs> at least, like, as an option or something. But, uh, mm-hmm. like, I am hoping that's the direction they're going to take because mm-hmm. not that I don't think they could do a good job otherwise. And I also understand it'd be much easier to make a sequel for the same system if you get to build upon what you already have. Right. So it's not like it's impossible for them to make a version of the game that still uses the same map. If they like changed enough about it where mm-hmm. it felt pretty different. But if you want to c- capture, you know, I don't think anyone, or not, I don't think, not anyone, I don't know. I don't know. A lot of people finished Breath of the Wild and went, can't wait for the second one. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I felt like it felt like a pretty complete experience uh, yeah maybe yeah. something that could have like a dlc or epilogue chapter maybe but i don't know i think it ends very well um mm-hmm. so then it's this interesting thing like you don't want to be like this was this was fun but eh, didn't really feel like it needed to be made i think that's like yeah. one of the you know not worst reactions you can get but something else. it's underwhelming we're like yeah, yeah I, right. I think I think success absolutely comes with a lot of hardship when you are expected, even if you're not doing a direct sequel, but everybody wants to see what your next follow up is. Yeah, the the expectation that you have to hit. I mean, like hype is one of the most dangerous things on the Internet today. Good mm, Lord. Yeah. And I, I don't envy a soul at Nintendo working on the sequel to Breath of the Wild. But um, I, I think we could all be sure that they're going to do something that they are passionate about. And right. Something that they think will be important. I, I feel like Nintendo has its weird quirks. Yeah. God, get your online shit together, please. But yeah. uh, they, uh, I, I, I don't think anyone can argue. And I think this is the case in most situations. Like most people aren't half-assing art. Most people mm. are doing it because they they care about it on a certain level. And uh, I think that in general, I think Nintendo has a great track record. Oh, yeah, you of, can't accuse Nintendo of half-assing. That's yeah, sure. Jesus yeah, Christ. They, they go hard. Yeah. Um, now, uh, I like to give the guests an opportunity to, if they would like to bring up a topic or have a question for me or anything you want, uh, I'd like to give you the chance to do so. If you mm. don't have anything off the top of your head, don't worry about mm. it. 
but uh, if well, there's I've... anything. <laughs> well, I feel like I've already uh, I've 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 steered us just like full throttle into games discourse. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I I wonder if if um, if you could hmm. dive into a completely different profession what do you think you'd want to do like you get to re-roll your stats and just do like a completely different field what would you want to jump into my man Mm. that is a terrifying question because (laughs) uh for me so much of i think i don't want to say my entire but like a lot of a lot of you know my driving force was you know acting right wanting to act yeah and and you know a passion for that and uh you know it's like now that i'm in it i'm like i i i I, I, you know this is what i it's not like i this is what i was meant to do but it's Mm -hmm. like this i'm i worked very hard for many 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 years to even get to this point and it's like i did it and i you know some people might feel like you know, I, I talk to some voice actors, and they're like, "Oh, but I feel like I don't, I don't know. I I want to do more." And I'm like, "You want to do? You want to do more? I don't. This is this, I'm living my dream. Like every time I work, I'm like, I'm reminded of like, yo, this is the shit. This is like yeah. exactly what I've been wanting. And um, I don't know. I mean, I guess what if that if that spark goes away, then maybe I'd want to look at look at other things, but. I don't know. It's something that I just enjoy so deeply. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be asked, a lot of people ask, "What do you think you'd be doing if you didn't have uh, that?" Uh, um, so I do think is this like a thing where I can kind of just choose like a different? Yeah, type? I think like um, imagine imagine that uh let's say that right now you're reading the book of someone mm-hmm. and uh for just a hot second you get to pick up uh the alternate book of Sung- someone and read some chapters in that and it's like a completely different choose your own adventure and and then you can you can go you can go back to a normal book of someone. I, I guess my question is is this like realistically or no like, absolutely oh, okay, not. Okay, absolutely okay, okay, not. Okay. full fantasy full got fantasy. it got it okay Christ, I wouldn't be able to do anything with my history, <laughs> my my fucking like resume. I'm I'm stuck. I'm trapped in entertainment for the rest of my life. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, the thing is, it would still be in entertainment, but instead of the acting side, I think it would be. Oh God. I think it'd be writing. I think it'd be mm. it, it would be. Uh, yeah. Um. I you know it's something that. I was always very into as like a when I was much younger, um, mm-hmm. and then I don't know. It, it, it's something that in even in recent years has kind of been crawling back and in surprising ways. Uh, okay. And, and so I I kind of that was so, that was sort of like a not a side of myself, but something I was like, I'm not a writer. I'm not a writer. Like I'm I'm, I'm you know I'm an actor and or performer and yeah i mean i mean with the youtube channel yeah i write or you know it's been a while but i write wrote skits write skits like so that that's still writing and yeah yeah, but it's 100 writing no i is 100 i know it's i consider you a writer but please continue (laughs) people tell me this they're like what do you mean you're not a writer like you are you do i'm I'm like yeah but you know i'm not getting uh like you know necessarily like you know, 
I it was I I was like I'm not I never considered myself as I'm gonna put myself forward as you should hire me to write for you. I'm comfortable sure. writing for myself because I know what I like and I you know. But uh, it was never mm-hmm. sort of a thing of yeah I I I I'm gonna put myself out there as a as a writer for hire. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, and. Yeah, I think if uh, if if it wasn't acting, then it would be writing for sure. Because I do enjoy it, uh, and okay, and like okay. it's something that you know. <laughs> uh, in in recent years, I'm like, uh, oh, like, huh? I guess, I guess I did really like doing this and it, 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 it never really went away i guess that's something i yeah. realized it, it never actually went away it was just something that you know i was like that's for fun that's for fun and that's only mm. for fun um i don't know like i i still I, think i don't have enough uh and i like i don't have enough energy in my life where i can fully dedicate it to you know I, for me, it's going to be as long as I'm being allowed to act. That's going to be my main <laughs> passion, and honestly, what I enjoy the most. But if I happen to like, you know, uh, get like more writing stuff, like I guess for me, uh, it's it's like being pushed in the deep end. But mm. I've not to toot my own horn, but I think I'm pretty good at like doggy paddling my way out of stuff like damn uh, straight <laughs> so it's been like you know you know just get over that imposter syndrome and just keep paddling and uh <laughs> and uh you know that's what that's eventually how acting worked out so i think i can do my best to keep afloat yeah uh but yeah if you know for you you know who you know does you know, who is a, you know a writer uh uh i guess i because you know you write, you act, you're in the entertainment industry. What's your answer to that question? Uh, <laughs> I'd love to be a, a like a Nat Geo photographer. I'd love to go take Dude, pictures of animals. I love that. That'd answer. be amazing. I was not expecting <laughs> that at all. <laughs> I I for a while I thought about doing that. I was I was a teenager. I was learning. I was getting scuba certified because I was like, oh, it'd be cool to do some of this. And then I don't know, maybe because I was a teenager, I just immediately dropped that because I was like, my attention span was so small. But um, I have another answer for you. Uh, but please continue. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah. Oh, well, well, no. So so it's funny because I was about to say, well, my answer is boring. Uh, I'd like no, to go travel and photograph animals in exotic boring. places. That- I, I well. <laughs> Like, well, no, let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. I grew bored of my answer when you, I, I'm sorry. I grew bored of my question when you gave me your answer, because then I immediately want to be like, well, hold on. Why do you like acting so much? Why are you interested in writing? Oh, like, yeah. what is it about these things that you do? We that can you're talk like, about that. Oh, sure. But <laughs> this, this whole, I did not know you had like actual interest in, in like photography and like animal, like that. That's awesome. I mean, it's like Pokemon Snap, but for real, right? <laughs> like, let's just let's just go ahead and just put it under that that sure, frame. Sure. Um, I mean, there's just something I think. Uh, I think you can find uh, beauty in anything if you learn enough about it. I also think once you learn too much about something, like what was once fascinating, can become mediocre and you get jaded with it. Yeah. But like. I don't, I really don't give a shit about sports, but I had a close friend of mine really desperately try to get me into basketball by explaining some like, uh, uh, like 
team dynamics and like player history. Mm-hmm. And like he told me this whole story about uh members playing for the Spurs. And I was like, oh wow, that's really cool. Like, yeah, if if I were to follow this player's whole dynasty and like knew their career, like at that point I'm watching a show in anime and this kicks ass, this rules. Yeah. I just don't have the the time or the energy or really the desire to Mm. learn the stories of every member of the NBA. And so I don't think I'm ever going to follow this, but I can see how as you become more educated on the matter, you can find the things that you can see why other people get really into it. Sure. Um, sure. You know, I I think that's why I'm, you know, the more I've learned about games and how that gets made, I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. And I've explained to friends of mine who aren't big gamers, like the, like how impactful a game moment can be as soon as you give the player a loaded gun, like all the things that is telling the player subconsciously, like, and I'll go off on that and they're like, Oh, I've never thought of it that way. And I, I say, nobody does. It's so cool. Um, a lot of people do and they make great games. Uh, mm-hmm. but no, I think like learning, learning more about like species of animals and like their whole ecosystem and their own social hierarchies and all that stuff. Like it's gotta be amazing. I also have to imagine nowadays it has to be, a difficult job knowing that the planet's on fire. Oh God, um, yeah, yeah. Like at that point, I swear every nature show and documentary, poor David Attenborough has just been screaming like, Hey guys, but for real, everything is going to die if we don't get our shit together. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, no, I think there's just, there is something about that profession to me of, of like going and, and capturing footage or images of wildlife that people, cannot normally see it's you know to me better than putting animals in a zoo Mm. um it's 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 going it's going to their home and coming back with what you found and giving a book report Mm. so people can care more and be made more aware of this stuff and how maybe their actions affect this other species ecosystem uh there's something about it to me that as someone looking from the outside just a, a, a passing glance something about that profession feels very wholesome and like it is not necessarily doing anything harmful. Mm-hmm. Um, it is raising awareness. And it also seems like a would just be an th- absolutely thrilling adventure that I'm sure is filled with lots of boring sitting and waiting <laughs> for a fucking lizard to crawl by. Um, and I'm just thinking about the most romantic aspects of this job. But that's every job, right? Like doing being a voice actor is great. And then you have to like edit all your takes and then add this certain like compression. And, and, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> exactly. Right. Every... Yeah, there is no I'm happy all the time job out there. That's a capitalist lie. Um, but uh, uh, but yeah, no, I think I think that's why that that profession is is, is very enticing to me. That seems like a, an alternate universe. Miles would that could be a lot of fun. Okay, let me give you better answers hard, to your. Well, then we'll go to the next question you had. But like, sure. I you know I still think when I was when I said writing, that's still something that I could tech. I I think realistically, I that could happen. Like I could one hundred percent. Like I've said, you're already a writer. You you say you've only written shorts and stuff, but brevity is the soul of wit, my man. You're yeah. Let me give you a better answer. Okay, in the in okay. the vein of okay. like, okay, I'm gonna give you two answers. One I think we'll see, and one I'm like, this is not <laughs> happening in my lifetime. I, I okay. Like, there's I. It's already a little too late for that. One okay. Uh, I'm actually like, you know, never say never, but like. But I'm like, this could make me like board game design. Board game de- like I could never be a full time board game designer at this point. But just even like designing one or like helping design or, you know, I've during COVID, 
Uh, I've been doing these like trivia nights, uh, and I've also been I'm also developing right now like a like a just a, for fun with friends a tabletop thing. Uh, it's a, actually a Pokemon tabletop thing, but uh, what I've been noticing is you know I already love board games, and obviously everybody yes. who's listening to this podcast knows I love board games because I won't stop fucking talking about them. But <laughs> I've played. Hot, let me see exactly. You want to guess how many board games I've played? Because I know the exact number. I would love that. I'd love guess. that. Okay. How many different uh, lifetime, board games? Lifetime number. Yeah. I'm looking at the number right now. How many do you think I've played? 112. <laughs> That's cute. Uh, <laughs> uh, I own more than that, personally. Oh my god, uh, so I have played, uh, as a recording of this, 709 games. Uh <gasps> So, very, I think a very good grasp of what makes a good board game, what is not. And what's interesting is with these trivia nights I've been doing, they they have um, item systems. They have uh, round like like each round. I don't know. It's like a, it's like a whole thing. Like uh, I did do one of them live, like a Mario one live on Twitch, which. Uh, I think is was a lot of fun, and that's like a very like minor version of how crazy I can get with this. But it's it, mm-hmm. what I've sort of been discovering is there's a lot of joy for me in coming up with what, how can I translate what I want to convey into like let's say a simpler or board game kind of system, and then sort of running through it and going, okay, this is fun, this is this isn't fun, uh, and just perfecting it and perfecting it. Uh, it's something that I legitimately get getting a lot of enjoyment out of. And, you know, uh, I think what I always tell people is if you can have, a, you know, pursuing your dreams creatively as your job is great and all, but if you can have stuff that you just love fucking doing for fun, that's so mm-hmm. valuable. And right now for mm-hmm. me, that's been these trivia things and then this tabletop thing. Um, like, uh, I am putting so much time and effort into these but it's so enriching and then i always tell yeah. people doesn't matter if you're getting paid like first off are you enjoying it that's the most important thing mm-hmm. secondly that is creative progression as a per as yes. a person right it does not matter if you were paid or not to do it uh or that it's a, even if it's your main job like you are progressing creatively as a as a yes. person so uh that's my you know Maybe in like a we'll see one day, and then my answer that like this isn't happening, but just like dream. dream. Wait, wait, yeah. oh wait, wait, get it out. But I have like you've just sparked off so many things I want to talk about with what you just yeah, said. But yeah. if you throw, throw out the other yeah, one, throw yeah. out the uh, other one. Uh, okay, uh, other dream job, yo, just like getting paid to uh, taste food, or like like a uh, like a mm. culinary like uh, expert, mm-hmm. like whether it's like um, oh, that's so good. Like, uh, God, I loved him. Bourdain or like, you know, Anthony Bourdain or even just like a restaurant critic or, you know, just (laughs) something like that. Just being, uh, paid to eat food. But anyway, what was your question? Hell yeah. What was your question? Okay. So, so many things. First off, dude, like, I think you designing your own game is so, so, so within the realm of possibility. Like, I feel like given your obviously like history playing games mm. and you just like you can talk about them uh you can identify what's fun what isn't like 
that is extremely possible for you, my man. Mm. Um, I, I, th- one of the things that I, I've done in this class that I'm taking too is we had to, one of our first exercises was take the most boring board game, which is like oh. you have 32 squares around the edge of a, ter- 32 squares around the edge of a, uh, uh, board and you roll dice and it was like without drastically changing the mechanics write something that makes this interesting write the flavor text on each square and what happens when you land on it contextualize what is a fairly boring and played out gameplay system and that was our first exercise and then our second one was take a story that already exists whether it be a book series or television or movie whatever Mm. and then work backwards and create game mechanics that serve that narrative. Yeah. Uh, and I made a card game based on Bridgerton from Netflix. Oh, shit. And I was very proud yeah. of it. I made, it, it was like, and, it, and I, I, I tried to make something that like, you could play without any knowledge of the show. Like you could just call this game debutante mm. and it would function identically. But it was, it was kind of a, old maid mixed with a hidden role type game where everybody is fighting just not to be the last debutante uh without a a uh, uh man proposing engagement mm-hmm. um and there would be things where you could spread rumors and you would do so secretly by like placing a card that represented one player and then choosing a card from your hand that had a, either a positive or negative effect rumor and then you would slip that into an envelope and put the envelopes in the middle of the table mm-hmm. they get shuffled up and then there's a thing if you've watched uh, Bridgerton, like every now and then there's someone named Lady Whistledown <laughs> who posts the society okay. papers. That's just like gossip tabloids. But these everyone reads it in the town. And so like if someone's dirty laundry gets aired out in the society papers, like that can totally change this like courtship game. Like it really is kind of this bizarre game that all the characters are playing throughout yeah, the series. Yeah. And um like it's just like musical chairs, but with husbands. Um, that's that's it's not that. It's better than that. Uh, but uh, but no, it was like I. It goes back to that story stack of like, what's the fantasy? What is the experience we're going for? And then how do we build systems around right. that that support that and enrich right. that? And uh, what I'm saying is, let's team up and make a board. I mean, <laughs> listen. Listen, I, for me, it, it's more like I don't have, but I, it's it presented with the opportunity. Oh man, like I, it, I, yeah, I would, I would definitely, I would definitely, uh, be interested because, dude, I, I definitely, I could 100% see you creating and, and working and designing your oh, own games God. in not a small amount, not a large amount of time. Sorry. Oh God. The, uh, I, I, I just, I, yeah, I mean, it's something. It would be fun, but it's like, yeah, you know, spreading yourself thin, right? Oh man, but sure. You know, listen, oh yeah, for yeah, me, yeah. I think it's like, <clears throat> I guess that is another one that's like, maybe like it's like COVID. It's something yeah. I never thought about before COVID, and then after it's like mm-hmm. maybe after you know, yeah, it's something that people have said to me like you know before like oh so when are you gonna you know before I was like oh I'm I'm not I'm not qualified for that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I have, have no idea how to how I would do that, and now I'm like, no, I have ideas of how. I, <laughs> no, I could like yeah. do that. Yeah. Like, after if I'm putting this much work into something that only like you know four friends are gonna see or eight you know eight friends are gonna see, uh, then yeah, it's it, it you know, that's uh, oh god, 
to, to, I think um, you were speaking earlier about how, you know, if, if, if you are having fun doing it and like you are growing creatively, one of the, one of the things that went into my decision to, um, to leave Rooster Teeth was I, I read this book called the artist's mm. way. It was like written in the early nineties and there's some aspects about it that are a bit dated, but the, if I had to boil down the thesis of this workbook, which I, I do really like, um, it is essentially, Hey, if there is something that just thrills you that you just love, mm. that is calling to you, um, do not be afraid to chase that. Yeah. Like it's, it's, Obviously, I was in a very, very fortunate position to where I felt comfortable taking a risk and and going to pursue something different than what I had sure. done. Um, and I understand not everybody is in that position or yeah, maybe you're doing so much that you would feel yourself spread too thin. Um, but like something that I've wondered, like I have no idea if I'm actually going to end up working in the games industry mm. like i might get lucky and get like a small job and realize oh i like the sausage but i don't like seeing sure. how it's made i want to go back to linear narrative like even though i'm doing all the stuff now i'm i just the other day had an idea and am now working on a pitch deck for an animated sure. show but i'm i'm trying to view all of this as like it doesn't have to lead to something yes it, it yeah. there does not need to be our our whole me myself as a person and i think on some level western society is very achievement and goal yep. oriented mm. and i think it is a nice thing to remind yourself that just the act of taking some time to learn about something or read something or just experiment with something maybe you make a a, a card game just like you said for a handful of your friends like i i wrote a D campaign for some of my friends and it, it wasn't streamed to a bunch of people. We just, I just did it for that. And it was still very rewarding and I got a lot out of it and I learned from it. And it was also a lot of fun. And like I said, it's, it's a difficult time to be like telling somebody like chase your dreams. <laughs> like it's a very scary time right now. Holy yeah. shit. Um, I guess more what I'm just trying to say is like for a long time, a long time, I was like, I, I'm not a writer. That's just kind of something I do for fun. I'll probably get a job doing something else. Mm. Like I want, I knew I wanted to work in animation, but I was like, I don't think I'd ever be sure. a writer. Um, and then one day I was I, like, I somehow I got very lucky and had the right skills at the right place at the right time. And suddenly this thing that I had forever written off is this will just be for fun um, became what I do yeah. for a living. And did that change my relationship with writing? Absolutely. Is it a, a change that I am okay with? Yes. And there are high highs and low lows, but that is that's literally everything in life. Um, and so I think just, um, you know, if you are able to, even on the side or for just a little bit of time a day, like, yeah, chase that thing that makes you happy. Fucking put on a goddamn trivia night with items yeah. and fucking like go for it. And and I think it, it can really do a lot just for your happiness. Oh, yeah. I think you bring up a couple good points. One, I mean, just write what you just said. Doing stuff just because it makes you happy. Like, we are, there's so much pressure, like you said, to, I got to achieve my goal in my career. Career, 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 career. Yes, career is great and all, but it's not everything. And God, if you try to push every all your happiness on career, it's you're going to be fucking miserable uh, when there mm -hmm. are the inevitable lows or the inevitable, you know, uh, slow times, right? 
But what what, what oh God, you also said um uh oh yeah like some people like they think this is my dream this is my dream I gotta work towards this they get it or they see or they start getting into it and going this isn't what I actually wanted at mm-hmm. all like or I actually don't love this as much as I thought I did and I think there's a legitimate like uh bravery and also like a lot of wisdom and like going you know even though i like you know worked towards this you know there is no like shame or anything i'm going eh, actually this isn't yeah. what i want like if anything yeah. it's better than just going no 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 i i i have to keep going and just you know yeah. going 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 <laughs> grinding grind, and then just you're miserable no matter even if you do like achieve what you thought you wanted uh yeah succumbing to that sunk cost fallacy is how cults yes. get started okay <laughs> and, and that's how uh gambling debt uh happens you know so exactly it's, you know it's 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 a thing and the, i always you know we, we've kind of touched on this already but you know the experience you got from that is not wasted by any it doesn't yeah. mean like you can stuff that you learn and stuff that you do and whatever experience you get can be translated into so many things outside of career you know you know it can enrich you socially. It can enrich you even just like, hey, I got to do that or I did that and that was cool. Like that in yeah. itself is, you know, a positive net change in your life. Uh, mm. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, I, th- I think uh, like you've been saying, like, you know, the sort of capitalistic like, but you got to make money off of it. It's like, no, 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 no. Like there's so much more. Uh, outside of that that is also important uh now you said you had another question about what was, was it, acting or writing oh it was just um uh it was it was almost just like a, a side oh, question yeah. when i asked you know what would you what, what would you want to do instead and you were saying oh well you know i love acting so much i, I get so much joy out of it uh i love hearing people and, and this is kind of like what i was saying earlier like learning why something is interesting to one person or another like what is it about um, you know, acting and also writing and games. What What is it about those things that you think gives you joy? Like, I, I, I don't know if you've seen Soul, but what's that spark? Mm, yeah, sure. <laughs> uh, I'm going to fire the same question back at you afterwards. But um, for me, sure. I mean, acting is, um, if I'm not writing it, if I'm not creating it or whatever, there is, well, you know, even, well, I guess I haven't had the chance yet to like, fully like act out something i really like a long form thing i created but you know usually you're doing it for other people right and so it's this very Mm -hmm. enriching collaborative process of like i'm you know i'm you know working with you to figure out who this character is and delivering the best performance i can but i think bottom line what is the most enjoyable thing about acting for me is uh when you lose yourself in the character uh where it becomes Mm. this thing of i'm not even really thinking about like uh oh do i sound good or like for the in terms of technical quality or you know it's just i am so in the moment uh that i'm you know a lot a lot of times with voiceover you you don't get any visuals right you don't get any like anything to work with besides what's the page and the direction and but if I find myself like I am in that scene, like I can see, you know, what's going on because I am not thinking of 
okay, I am someone, the actor, how do I do this in a way that is what to get the job, do the job well? It's no, I am the, you know, it sounds so cheesy, but I am the character. I am the character right now. Mm. And I am just, you know, I think a lot of your best acting can come from what is just your instinct as this character, uh, as opposed to what do you think is the, sounds like it's the best, you know, read, you know, that, you you know, instead of trying, you know, I mean, obviously then you get, you know, direction and, you know, you can like get led to, you know, even better reads. But uh, I think having the, approaching it with that sort of, I don't know, that, that to me is the most fun where uh, I'm just in it. Like that's the, that's the number one. And I, and I, I yeah, I love I, that. I, I'd say if, if, if I could achieve some level of that in the session, that's a win for me. And then on like the second level, it is, it's just fucking fun to work, you know, work with the director. And, you know, when you like nail a take and when you go, oh, you know, we, yeah, that's the voice or that's the read. It just feels good. Like, yeah, we're working together. We're making, we're making, we're making the shit happen. Like, you know, that's really gratifying and fun. But, uh, I mean, I think you can have that in other professions. So for me, it is really the, um, I'm in primarily in voice acting, but it also happened when I did anime crimes division, like, you know, with live action, like there Mm. were, you know, it's a comedy, right. But there were scenes like where I was so in the moment that, you know, and I think it works because we played it too, we played it so seriously or whatever, but like, I was really, (laughs) you know, uh, in it in some parts, like, you know, you know, it just, uh, all the self-consciousness of your, you know, yourself just sort of falls away and you don't, it's not that you don't care, but you, you're like swept up when you're swept up in it. That's it, my, that's what yeah, I was I, like. I love I, this. I, uh, I've always, I've always kind of felt like the way I've like, I feel like to kind of visualize it is as, as actors, we all put on a mask, mm. right? Like you imagine this wall of all the characters you've played and you have a, a mask for each mm. character. And sometimes you put, you, you're always putting on that mask when you're performing, but there's moments in that performance in a scene where like what, everything's just firing off right. And suddenly that mask starts to grow and cover your whole body. And suddenly it becomes like a full suit of Ooh. armor that you're wearing. And like, you are fully coded in who this person is and like got sometimes and then sometimes the armor spreads and that booth becomes like a battlefield or whatever yeah. it is you are but like it starts with this mask that you grow that you put on that then just slowly envelops you and everything that's around that you. is a phenomenal description for it yeah i i i, I never thought of it <laughs> that way like and i i think maybe i've said this before uh i don't know if on this podcast maybe in other videos but uh the first the, when i knew i wanted to do this uh it was because so i think a lot of people they look at voice acting and go it just looks it just seems so cool because you get to be in like i don't know like a lot of cool video or anime or whatever like i want to be you know and (laughs) okay to be fair it is pretty cool (laughs) but uh, but uh, (laughs) i think they view it or oh you get to do like funny cool you know voices and it's so you know but and when I was younger, I was in, you know, I thought voice acting was a cool profession, but it wasn't something I necessarily was like, I can, I want to do that myself. Uh, mm. But the first time I was like, I, oh, I really want to do that. 
is was for a friend in high school. He wrote a he wrote a radio play. He wrote a bunch of radio plays, and he would cast us in them. That's awesome. And, That's and, so cool. Uh, I was voicing a character, the one of the lead the lead character in this radio play, uh, <laughs> and I'm, I just I very distinctly remember this. Like I'm I'm recording on my shitty mic in my uh, in my room. <laughs> And I, the character, it was a, a Russian boxer, and and Hell uh, yeah. I was, you know, before you know, before I was just like more focused, like oh, like, you know, how should he sound, like blah blah blah, like, you know. But then, as I got really into it, I was like not even thinking about that, and I was just, you know, being that character. And when that happened, it's like a high. It's like you go out of it, and you're like, yeah. Oh fuck! Oh, that was, and, you know, not like the performance was like you know even particularly technically good. If I look back on it, like, but at the time, it doesn't. It didn't matter if it was like so yeah, or like you were connecting with perfect it. or up to the level of yeah. where it, like I just enjoyed it. I just loved that you know that so much. And then I was like, oh, this is something I want to do. Like, if I can, I don't know if I mm. can. Like, it seems. Then it was it was kind of like you with you with writing. It's like, you know, back you know before you became a professional writer, you're like, I would love to do that. How the fuck am I gonna do that? <laughs> right, right. Um, but right. for me, then it did become sort of my weird life's mission of like, okay, everything I do now, <laughs> I'm gonna, uh, I had a, I had an actually a very good conversation with a friend recently where it was like, you know. There's a lot of luck involved, right, in getting into your sort yeah. of dream job. There's, of course, a lot of luck, but you can do a lot of things to make the odds more in your favor. And I think for me and for him, uh, and I think for a lot of people, it's like we worked very hard to stack it in our favor so that even if we didn't yeah. get it, it was not for lack of us trying. Right. Yeah, I I can't remember who it was that said it, but they described luck as where hard work meets opportunity. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Um. And so it's it's exactly that. It's like if I worked worked as hard as I did, and then it just didn't happen. It's like, I mean, I tried. I mean, I tried. Mm. I have no regrets because I tried my hardest. Uh. Mm. Um. Because you know, there's no guarantee you'll ever succeed in getting that thing, right? Um, so yeah. I, I think for a lot of people, when it's like, do you want to be this? Like, you really want to be this? <laughs> okay. You have to be prepared to put almost everything you have into it, and even then you still might not get it. <laughs> like, the, as, yeah. as long as yeah. you are prepared for that and aware of that, you know, break a leg. Like, honestly, like, that's whatever we're all that's what all of us are doing and kind of still doing right is just putting everything yeah in, it's a complex journey we have into it in the hopes that we, it's something we can keep on doing uh and if that's and if you are not disciplined enough or not committed enough to that where you could put all that work into it and still never get it you should do something else that would be more beneficial <laughs> like you know that or <laughs> Pursue it on a different level and not as your career, which might be smarter. It might be smarter to just do it more for yeah. fun. But uh, or even or even don't pursue it as your career. Like get something that allows you to you know live safely and comfortably, and then you know yeah. if you really 
are passionate about something, you you set aside that time. And and that's, you know, I don't want to trivialize how difficult that can be setting aside time for something like that. Cause it's not, yes. it, it is, it is focus and hard work and God, it feels like more and more every day time is the most precious resource that it feels like we never have enough right. of. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I have, I have a good handful of friends who work just regular mm-hmm. desk jobs. Some of them are fine with it. Some of them mm-hmm. hate it. Um, but they're just like, yeah, like that's the job. Like it is, it's called a job. It's called work for a reason. And not everybody gets like the dream job. And sometimes your dream job can ruin what it is yeah. you love. Oh because yeah. Then it becomes job. Mm-hmm. Um, but like there are things that they all enjoy and have passions that they pursue on the side. And that is, that is exactly. okay. Going back to, and I, I want to hear from you uh, with writing. I, I, I mean, cause well, I guess my I mean, because you do a lot of different things. Do you first like when people ask me what do you do? I go, I consider myself an actor first and foremost. Yeah, I do YouTube. Yeah, I do other things, um, but that's sort of my main identity in terms of what I am most passionate about. And yeah, what if I ask you, are you do you consider yourself a writer foremost? I'd consider myself a writer. I, I, I like to consider myself a writer director, but I'm at a point where I, I have not directed in a hot mm. second. And so I kind of just like default mm. to writer and also just like truth be told, something about introducing yourself as a writer director just sounds like so pretentious. <laughs> so my question then is what do you but, um, what makes what do you you know, what, back to you, what do you yeah. love about it? What makes you yeah. So I think it, it's funny, I'm i I'm very fortunate to do voice acting. I, I began voice acting as a means to an end and this is also how i got into writing i i did comics i drew comics for years starting back when i was in middle school i did little comic books about me and my friends and then that evolved into comic strips that were published in the school newspapers and then ultimately in uh the paper when i went to the university Mm. of texas uh yeah i had a few a few different strips um i realize now looking back that I did that to tell stories mm. and tell jokes. I used to draw and ink and do all the text and everything. And like, I remember always being so impatient when I knew the plot or story to either my strip or like little short story. And then I had to draw it. Like I, I got a lot of joy. I loved drawing eyes. Like I loved facial expressions, mm-hmm. but there would be a time where, you know, through that inking process, I'd be like, I just want this to be done. <laughs> right. And that was kind of like later my first clue that's like, I don't think I want to be an artist or an illustrator or like I took animation courses and realized like, I do not have the patience for this. I love this medium, but I am not built in a way in which I can do this and not go right. crazy, <laughs> period. Yeah. Um, there are a mil- There's wonderful people out there that have that skill set. Um, I realized everything I was doing was in service of telling stories. And I think... I think the reason I love writing and I love directing, and this is actually something I've kind of unpacked semi-recently, mm. is is because I am fascinated by the transfer of ideas mm. and emotion. Mm. Um, this is extremely important, I think, in storytelling. I mean, obviously, entertaining comes into that. That's where I think emotion comes into play. Like. I, I used to do a comedy school news program in high school. Um, and like once every few months, our school system was weird, but we had like this homeroom that you would go to every couple months where you would get your report cards and mm-hmm. stuff. And during that class, there it was like 30 minutes and there was like nothing to do. It was very bizarre. But I essentially worked out where the principal, where during that period, 
I could air my uh, my friends and I's like 15 minute comedy news program about here's what's going on yeah. around the school. And um, there was something so satisfying about sitting in a classroom and seeing people laugh um, and seeing a joke mm-hmm. land and like, oh, yeah, they went on this like comedy journey and we all ended up in the same place and enjoyed it. And that was very yeah. satisfying. And then on our last episode, we kind of did this intentionally cheesy goodbye montage set to that song Clocks, where we did a bunch of crossfades and like waving goodbye and shit. And the strangest thing happened. I'm sat in that class and I hear a sniffle and I look over and there's this girl with like teary eyes. That's like a senior, like we're all, you know, graduating in a few months. And I remember thinking, Whoa. Whoa. It's kind of like that moment in Monsters, Inc. where they find out that laughter hits harder than screams. It was kind of like that where I was like, oh, my God. Like at that point in my life, I was like, yeah, sure. I'm a classic clown, whatever. But at that point, I was like, oh, I like have the capability to have a a different sort of emotional impact on someone. That's pretty wild. Yeah. and as I got more into writing, I've I've even realized this, like major plot points and themes in the shows that I've worked on from the chorus trilogy of Red versus Blue to Ruby, like the concept of communication as both an asset and a hindrance to characters is a recurring theme. And I never did this intentionally, um, mm-hmm. but I, I think there is something about like there's something magical to me about ideas that myself and a team of writers can have and put into a body of work and people on the other side of the world can consume that and be taken somewhere with those ideas. And either maybe they disagree with them, uh, but, or, or maybe it speaks to them on a level that they can connect to and it can help them look inwards into something that they've experienced. Or maybe it's just a simple joke that it just brings some levity into their world. Um, but there's something about that that I think is just it, – it's just fucking sorcery, man. Mm. Um, and I, I love the power that stories have to affect people and inspire people or just get them through a long day. And then related to that, what I really enjoy about directing is that collaborative process. Like you were speaking earlier about how you love working with the director to find the character, to find that voice. Mm-hmm. And there's something very cool in like in directing. I, cause God, I was so scared as a director when I first started. And it, it is still like, even now, if I was going to direct a short, I have that like nervous excitement before talking with a team. Mm. Um, but I, I didn't, I was never comfortable viewing the director as like the captain of a ship or whatever, even though I guess mm. whatever, but like to me, a director's position is more of an assistant. Mm. And by by that, I mean, as a director, it is my job to try and guide you and push your work, whether you be an artist, an actor, an animator, um, a, a compositor, but to try and communicate an idea that I have to you in a way to where you're not having to do as much guesswork. Like there's a million ways something can explode, but I'm talking like, no, I want the one where you see like the, you're seeing trails of smoke connected to pieces of rubble that have been flung miles away and a big mushroom cloud, like helping to convey that idea. And then this artist is able to do their best work in service of that vision, Mm -hmm. in service of that vision. Um, that to me, that collaborative process. And then also hearing back from them. Like I can describe something like I want something animated this way. I want this punch to feel like this. And I'm working, like I direct with sound effects and pantomime a lot back when mm-hmm. we w- could do that in person. Sure. Um, and then that was just like 
how I did it. Um, but then listening to someone who's like they their their craft, their art is in this case it's called animation. They can suggest a movement or a style, and I don't know the technicality behind it. I don't know why this punch feels snappier than this punch, but they know, and they can start throwing around ideas of like, oh, if this is the vibe you're going for. What about a move like this? What about like, it looks like it's going to be a right hook, but it's actually a dirty elbow jab. And I'm like, oh, that's amazing. That's perfect. It becomes this game of like exciting imaginative tennis of now we're in this cool cycle of like, oh, what about this? What about this? We're building on that. And you end up with something so much greater because so many hands got on that ball and had they were able to take their years of craftsmanship and expertise and put their mark on it and now you're looking at something that no one person could ever have made but through that transfer of ideas from person to person to person we all ended up with something and god damn if that's not just the coolest shit (laughs) i like it's just it's it's sorcery it just feels like sorcery yeah, no, and like, you know, again, it sounds, or not again, but it's basically your approach is what I think a lot of directors should do. Because uh, I think some directors are like, I'm the auteur, and ev- I have complete control, and mm. you're all puppets that, you know, have to just mm. do what mm-hmm. I want. But no, I think the most valuable and most, you know, like you said, the best, collab- it's collaboration, right? Yeah. Like bringing, yeah. bringing the strengths together and going... Yeah, okay, well, how about this? And yeah, yeah, yeah. And building up that tower of, you know, making it, everybody just wants it to make it the best thing it can be. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think that's a that's a great, uh, um, and, you know, I like your analogy of tennis. That's that's perfect. You know, you know, maybe it's less like tennis where one person's trying to win, and it's more like that game where you're trying to keep the balloon from hitting the ground. Everybody's <laughs> got to get on this thing to keep it in the air. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. You cannot let that fucking balloon touch Don't the ground. Don't let it hit the ground. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That is a that's very good. Shit, we uh, I think we're about at the end of this. Like this has been this has been great. Like, dude, I've had such a good time. This has gone by in a blink. Holy cow, uh, man! You know, we'll just have to. Uh, uh, first off, you like just talk more in general. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, you know I, things are just crazy right now. Yeah, but also. Um, should have you back on sometime. Like this was just a lot of fun, and I think I think what's great is you know you I think your creative spark that or I, I don't I wouldn't say this is your singular spark, but you seeing that girl you know tear up, that was me. That was my Russian boxer moment of like <laughs> oh like yeah what well, I'm you know this is supposed to be a comedy because the thing I was doing was a comedy, mm-hmm. but I was like but it's. I'm feeling more than, you know, I'm feeling like something like mm. that, you know, is that, that creative sort of spark. Uh, yeah. And I, I think, uh, hopefully for people listening to this, this for, especially those, cause you know, a lot of people are creatively struggling out there. Hopefully this gave you some sort of, you know, insight or something into this shit basically just go create shit that's basically how I'm <laughs> go create something or go read something and do something you wouldn't normally do yeah just just like it's god yeah it's a hard time for everybody in yep. so many different ways and what what's so strange about this is everyone is being affected by the same thing but everyone's story and situation is different and it is we are all having to go through it with you know different cards in our hand and and different hopes that we're hoping to have on the other side of all of this and so i think we we've done a lot of like (laughs) 
you know, I guess inspirational, like go out, follow your dream kind of talk, <laughs> but also like, don't, don't feel like you have to be doing things is the other thing. Like we touched on a bit, but like caring for yourself and just making mm. sure that you are doing okay yeah. is sometimes something that a lot of people can take for granted. And for other people, it is a battle that takes place every waking moment of every day. Yeah. And so first and foremost, just take care of yourself and know that you are enough and you can you can do it even if it is just taking a shower today you can yeah. do it yeah no absolutely i agree with you 100 percent um fuck this was a good time especially during these times but yeah uh yeah this was this i needed i didn't realize i think i needed this just get this, <laughs> hang out and chat no, with you my no, man good lord yeah, no you know i uh that's great like there have been some conversations on this where both of us end and go fuck and, and sometimes <laughs> and sometimes it's somebody i've met for the first time and sometimes it's and you know it's someone who you know we've been buds for a while but it's just like ha ah, it's just <laughs> what a good talk yeah, uh, now where can uh where can people find you uh you guys can find me on twitter where i post goofs and stuff uh it's the most pretentious name ever it's at the miles luna uh, oh, oh, <laughs> you're the, oh you're the Oh my god! I I every day someone asks me for my Twitter handle and I have to say that I die inside. My friend Chelsea uh, loves to loves to remind me how pretentious that is, and she's right. Um, was there a Miles Luna already taken though? There was. There so was. And I hate okay. him for it. That's okay. I wish I could have gone with that Miles Luna. Anyways, that doesn't matter. Uh, that so yeah, you can good. find me on Twitter at the Miles Luna. I think same thing on Twitch and Instagram. I although I don't, I'm not a regular Twitch streamer. I People that do that are amazing. I don't have the energy to do it. But sometimes I'll be like, hey, I'm writing a D&D campaign. You can come hang out. Uh, also, I don't know when this goes up, but as of today, Wednesday, the 3rd of February, I think I think I'm going to make a cameo because I got a bunch oh, of responses to do one. So I'll probably do that. I don't know. Look for me there. I don't know what it's going to be called, but I'll probably do that. And fucking well, guys- LinkedIn, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Can't go, go well. Go go get a cameo from Miles. Uh, like that's I mean that's available now. So yeah. is it? Are you the Miles Luna on cameo? I, I don't Miles know. Luna? I haven't I haven't actually made it yet. Uh, I'll I'll tweet about it. If you if you follow me on Twitter, that's where I post stuff. Uh, cool. And so so yeah, I don't know. There's there's that. I I'm in between jobs and just learning right now. So I'm not in a bunch of places, but those are some places you could probably find me. Cool cool yeah well thank you man uh dude thank you this was uh, a such a pleasure, pleasure. yeah <laughs> all right anytime man any yeah. fucking time hell yeah